Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So, hello everyone. I hope you're all okay with everything that's still going on at the moment. Tonight I'm joined by a very special guest and someone who I consider a good friend from the industry as well. He now calls himself Bradley Gunn Sailor but he was formerly known as Bradley Gum Raver, but that may return at some point in future. Bradley is the unique individual who unintentionally went viral through his sober raving antics, attracting everyone from all corners of the industry for all of the right reasons, with his message of positivity and advocacy of inclusion. He was crowned as Raver of the Year in 2017 by Mixmag, courageously took to the main stage to do a keynote interview at International Music Summit's annual conference in Ibiza in 2018. His monthly rave review, which detailed his adventures and journeys, had international publications on Ministry of Sound's platform. He also appeared on BBC Three's Amazing Humans, and of course, you will remember his dancing videos with some of the world's biggest artists some of which include Jamie Jones, Nicole Madaba, Cole Cox and Peggy Goo. Just before we start, if you're feeling the content, then feel free to share either the Instagram TV video to your Instagram story or the link from Spotify. Also, please follow Creative Minds Podcast on Spotify and you can rate the podcast on Apple as well as leaving a review. And yes, I am open to constructive criticism. So I'm just going to invite Brad in now. Here he is. Hello, Brad. How are you keeping? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Good. How are you? Very well, mate. So you managed to find the, the legendary Bradley Gunraver t-shirt when you got home? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. St- still looking just as fresh as it was when you were raving. So, yeah. first of all, obviously the most important question at the moment with everything going on, because I know that you live quite rural in your nice little cottage and you've just started your new job. How have you been keeping with everything that's been going on since COVID hit at the start of last year? Hang on, hang on, I'm just trying, I think you're breaking up a little bit. Can you hear me, can you hear me all right? I can hear you fine, mate. Right, yeah, no, no, you're all good now. Uh, yeah, no, I've been all right, a bit um, up and down. Mentally, I think. Yeah. Um, as is with everyone. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've uh, obviously I've got my programming as well, so I've been I've been deep in that a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm okay. Yeah. No, that, that's that's good, mate. I know we spoke earlier on the phone, and you said that you feel obviously better now that you're in a bit more of a routine back in an office, which is which is good. But I suppose it would have been a bit more bizarre because of how hectic your schedule was when you were in the raving when you were going from country to country and city to city i suppose it would have been a bit stranger going from 
dancing here, there and everywhere to then stopping. Obviously, I know it's not ideal, but it's uh, it's a bit different. Yeah, well, when I was uh, raving around every weekend, it was um, quite odd to have a quiet weekend. Yeah. And I really, um, yeah, didn't really enjoy quiet weekends. <laughs> uh, so that would have been a bit of a shock to the system, I think. I was always curious, you know, I think we met in 2015 and, and you worked in various different offices. Did they ever ask, you know, if you go... Where? Say that again, sorry. I worked where? I think you were working for various different businesses, weren't you, like from 2015 until now? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've worked for a few places, yeah. Yeah, but you know when you'd go into the office on a Monday morning and you'd see people at the coffee machine and they'd say, oh, Brad, what have you been up to this weekend? Did you... I, I, I'm all about it, yeah, yeah, they'd ask what's, what's going on. <laughs> entertaining reason at least it wasn't something boring like going to a museum at least you were like well I'm going to Miami or I'm going to Holland or something like that well I did actually um, have, I made an arrangement with, you know, do you remember when I broke my collarbone yeah 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 uh, so um, basically I broke it and then I went in and then they gave me a sling and whatever and then, and then they were like oh you've got to come back in for us to look at your collarbone again on this date and it was the date that I was flying out to Miami. I said, I can't do it. I said to them, I said, I'm really sorry, but I'm not like giving up going to Miami to like get my collarbone um, looked at. Um, so basically what I said is, I said, oh, here's the deal. I said, why don't I come in on the date I come back? Therefore, if I do any damage to it when I'm there, then you can sort it right out. And they're like, okay, fine. I, I love that, the fact that you're making a deal with the NHS and, and the doctors to say, you know, this is on my terms, not your terms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think um, they, they, they worked out when I came in because um, I, I was driving, a, I was driving a, a little 125 moped at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, when I had broken my collarbone, I didn't realise it was broken, I just hurt it. So I, I actually drove there uh, um, and and just got it seemed out. So they, they thought, well, seemingly as you drove here, yeah, we think you're all right. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. I mean, it's it's a fair excuse, because I think that was ultra, wasn't it, where you had the video with Jamie Jones backstage dancing? Yeah. So I think it was a fair reason, mate. I, I would have done the same as you and gone to Miami and wait waited to see what the consequences were when I came back. Yeah.
11 was probably my favourite one. I think chapter 12 was also great. But I think you know, the, the 11 was my first one. There, yeah. And I quite enjoyed that one quite a lot. So, so that one's that was my personal favourite edition of Chapter Festival. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... In terms of Birmingham raves, I never went to Chapter 11, but Chapter 12 for me is still probably the best event I've ever been to in Birmingham. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah, it was good, man. So I just wanted to go right the way back before you accidentally stumbled into that rave and everything changed. Um, when, when you were growing up, did you re- listen to electronic music much or not really? Was it just different artists? No. And... no. I, was just, I was just standing watch whatever's on YouTube sort of person. Um, yeah, yeah. Probably it was, you know, whatever the whatever was going really. Um yeah, it could have been a mixture of, you know, chart stuff and underground I don't really know at the time. I wasn't really much of a I, I didn't really have much knowledge of music at all. Um, nah. when yeah, pre pre those days. Um and yeah yeah so yeah i didn't really know much about it at the time yeah i was exactly the same because growing up my mum had me listening to a lot of like faithless and moby but because you don't know the genres you don't think you're listening to electronic music you just think you're just listening to music and i was probably a, a little bit the same as you i'd always just listen to maybe what everyone else was listening or what you'd come across on youtube and it was only because of like similar to yourself those random encounters and decisions that you make and then literally your life just completely um, changes course. So what, what, were the, what were the kind of art, what were your favourite artists though when, when you were growing up or was it just listen to a bit of everything? Yeah, I didn't really, I, I don't really, I didn't really have any experience. No. Nah. <laughs> uh, it was, I was, it, like, when I was growing up before that, music was music, I liked it, but I didn't really, have any particular strong tastes for anything yeah yeah so i remember it would have been new year's eve 2016 when i think we were in the car together going from wolverhampton to you were going to the acid experiment at lab 11 yes yeah and and then after that i was going to london I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. It was it was always yeah, difficult. New Year's Eve, we went to a lot of places. We started it, it was, we started uh, in Birmingham. Uh, no, we started in we started there, mm. and then we went to the place in Birmingham, and then we went to London uh, for Tobacco Dock. Okay, it was it was always pretty difficult to to keep track of your schedule, and that was in 2016. I think after that, yeah, I just. Roland, who drove me there, has just commented to say, yeah. the time. I just, I just saw that. I do, I do remember. <laughs> so I remember on the way from Wolverhampton to Birmingham, I finally asked you, because I'm surprised I hadn't asked earlier on, what was your first ever rave and how that experience came about? So if you can enlighten everyone how that random decision came about and how things changed from there. Yeah, okay. Um... I knew I was 18, uh, no, a bit older than that, probably 19, 19, um, yeah, I would have been 19, um, and basically I was going out for New Year's in Bristol um, with a few people, 
uh, it was not any particular music event or anything. It was just going out. Um, and it got to about three in the morning, which is when all the, like, normal stuff ended yeah. at the time. <laughs> and my train back home wasn't until seven in the morning. Um, and I was like, well, I could go back to the train station and just wait. Or I could um, just go and like get to know Bristol a bit, walk around, scope out where everything is, just so when I come back next time, it's a bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just um, as I was walking around, I just saw this like security guard standing outside this little club thing. I was like, I walked up to them. I was like, are you guys like open? And they were like, yeah. And I said, when did you close? And they were like nine. I was like. <laughs> Oh, so we've got like six hours left. And they were like, yeah. And I said, how much is it to get in? And they were like, a tenner. So I was like, all right. So I walked around the corner, got a tenner out, and then paid them, and then went in. Um, little to my knowledge, it was uh, nothing like I'd ever experienced before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was some. It was, uh, it was previously called the club was called Timbuktu, mm. uh, which is closed now. I think for like rental reasons or something. But anyway, at the time, it's this. Um, little underground um, sort of bunker thing in Bristol where it's like really small tight venue um, and, I, and I went down there and yeah the music was completely different um, the people were just really into it like it just felt different to what was mainstreamly available yeah um, and yeah I didn't really know what to do <laughs> I didn't really un- know if I was in a place full of people who wouldn't really like me that much or yeah. I didn't know what the social aspect was so I pretty much stood completely still at the back on my own just trying not to like draw any bad attention or whatever Yeah. because I didn't know what these people were like so um, but probably the best five hours I've spent standing still in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing man so once I left I was like yeah that was great and then um, basically I then went home and then told my friend all about it and I just begged him to drive me to Bristol again and then he did and then we went to motion next time and then it went from there yeah I was going to ask actually your first experience did the um, the let loose dancing start from day one but obviously you played it safe first night and then uh, that, that came later really on know serious dancing comes from right so so this is from i was way into drum and bass before before because i i went down that early first because because that's the second one i went to and so i i ended up doing all the drum and bass stuff for like a year anyway when you go to drum and bass yeah oh everyone's going full on yeah it's true so so everyone's proper going for it so I, I got into it like that right and then and then then I went to my house a bit and everyone was stood still not stood still they were just really calm and, <laughs> and I was like what's this about I yeah was like, <laughs> I was like no I'm taking what I got from the drone bass stuff and moving it here mm. so uh, yeah but I really like the house music it's just yeah it's just different, different yeah um, different style and mm. maybe not as a I think yeah, drum drum and bass is very you know it's a lot of it's a lot of really young people who just need to get their energy not out. Yeah, I think I think we both know that obviously drum and bass is higher BPM, so it's more energetic. But we both know most of the people 
that go through a drum and bass rave compared to people that go through a highs and techno rave, they're taking they're taking different stuff. So the way they're acting is well, uh. Really because I was I was just sober pretty much the whole time. So yeah, <laughs> I just got used to used to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So that's what when you were just saying then about your, your first initial experience obviously because i was exactly the same it's a bit of a shock to the system because it's a completely different environment you don't know how people uh, are going to take to you um what what was it appeal to you about the rave scene was it like the music being able to let loose and maybe in the commercial scene i, I always found people are a little bit um a little bit less like receptive and they're not maybe as welcoming and, and interacting and uh, what what were the well, things you know, I find that actually and i think maybe that was what gave me that social barrier to begin with but anyway um what we were saying about what attracted me to it i think yes um i did prefer music because it was you could tell it was more orientated um so what why why, why i wanted to be there because i generally like dancing anyway um and also i found that it, everyone was a lot more into it for that reason mm-hmm. um, than just going out and because because before that like the standard sort of places it most of the time they had music playing but it wasn't even about that and most of the time it, it was about how quickly can you get can you get someone back to your house <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was a it was a nice it was a nice um change in what the, in the focus of the night was yeah um, and it really it really allowed you to get really into it yeah now yeah. I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I, I used to be guilty for that when i used to go to these commercial <laughs> yeah well you, you are right the one during a rave because most of them go on for a minimum seven eight hours most people will go from early on and they'll stay until the very end and most people won't even want to go back then so no I, I do agree with you it's definitely got much more of a, a community kind of feel and like we'll discuss in a bit you know you were going to raves before you started going overseas you were going to you know multiple cities in one day and you felt like you could go there by yourself and you'd always just get chatting to someone randomly yeah, everyone was really nice yeah so the Next point was, um, you know, clearly you, you never set out to become well-known and recognised in the industry. You were just, you know, doing your own thing and enjoying yourself. When did you feel that you started to become more recognised, either by people in crowds or by, you know, like DJs or promoters and you were, you know, going viral? You mean getting noticed, like people coming up to you and stuff? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, I'm just thinking, so I'll think out loud so you can get Yeah, yeah, carry on, mate. Think away. I, well, obviously I started raving, at, at, like, a, two years before I even started the Bradley Gun Raven thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and basically what happened was I got told by people that people were taking videos of me and uploading them online, and, and that's what made me create the page. Because I thought, well, if people are interested in it, then why not? Um, but, but at that point, it was you weren't being recognised everywhere. It wasn't that big. It was just a little small thing at the time. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah that pretty much continued as a quite a small independent thing for quite a while um a good year or so um i think the first major thing that happened was the video with the security guards southwest four festival Mm -hmm. so what happened with that is is i was just yeah dancing there on my own uh, at 11 in the morning because that's when it started um and then these two security guards were like oh could could um could could we just get a video of us dancing with you and in my head i just was like this is a major opportunity so i said well, as long as you get it on my phone as well and then they went okay and then um and then yeah and then i just took it and whatever and then i thought to myself as i uploaded it to facebook i thought well that'll get a maximum three thousand likes and a maximum of this many comments i i I put put a benchmark on it in my head automatically (laughs) uploaded it and put it in my phone uh, in my pocket um and then forgot about it and then five minutes later my phone was buzzing 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 and then it already got twenty thousand in five minutes and so from that single one it 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 went up uh really quickly yeah Um, and the next day, I had um, people. I had Lad Bible wanting to post it, and, and Union Lad, and this is this is when people started to get in touch. Um, and this this was another this was another interesting moment, right? So at that point in time as well, because that single video had gone really viral, um, I also got approached by ITV producers. Uh, at that time, and, and they said, oh, do you want to come on Britain's Got Talent? And I said, why? And, and then they were like, oh, because, um, well, because obviously you're viral. I said, yeah, but that's not a reason. And and then I said to them, I said, but wh- where's the talent? I, I said, I said, all I'm doing is dancing around at a festival, and the dancing isn't the talent. That's, it's not even that good dancing. It's just fun dancing. So I don't think I can really show that as a talent and then we're like well well you know you could you could do the raving as a talent i said no you can't do that as a talent (laughs) because because that that would be um, (laughs) that would be saying that you're a better raver than other people because that's what you're trying to prove it by going on that show so i i pretty much told them no and also another point i wanted to prove to them i said i've spent about a year or two building up my following and if i do this What's going to happen is my following will go millions overnight, yeah? But, yeah. But here's the, here's the downside of that, is that everyone who's followed you up to that point doesn't like it because they're like, oh, you're selling out. And then mm. people who do, when, you know, you get all these millions of followers overnight from that mainstream source, well, they're not even that into you and they'll probably drop off after a week. Yeah. So it would have very quickly just gone south. So I, I thought, no, 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 I'm playing the long game here. I thought I'd rather concentrate on spending a long time building it up slowly yeah. and actually getting a really, you know, people around me who actually like me for who I am and I like them and whatever, rather than trying to go too fast too soon. So, um, yeah, I just um, didn't go ahead with it and yeah. then didn't really get why, but I did tell them why, but they didn't get it. <laughs> um, and, then, um, and then basically, it obviously from that point, from, from that single part there was a lot of recognition at the time yeah uh, but it wasn't it wasn't you know 
at that level yet mm-hmm. where DJs were coming up to you and you getting approached by promoters. It was just a big sort of boom which then led on to further things later down the line. So so it then continued at a very slow pace for the yeah. year. Um, pretty much a little bit faster than the previous year, but it was it was still a small thing. Um, and then then what happened? The year after that, BBC Three got in touch, um, and they said um, we would like to do like a little three minute video review uh, for our amazing human series. How did they get in touch with you? How did they get in touch with you over email or Facebook or? No, no, no. It was random. It was random. But I was in bed, right? Because I was really tired. It was 8pm on a Wednesday. And then my phone rang and, and it was an O2O number. And I was like, oh no. I was like, either this is spam or it's really important. So I was, I was like, do I answer it? Do I not? Do I answer it? Do I not? And I said, yeah, why not? So I answered it and I was like, really half asleep. I was like, hello. And it was like, hi, I'm Nora from BBC. And I went, oh, I jumped out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hello, how may I help you? Basically. <laughs> um, uh, she was like, yeah, I'm just doing some research for like a show we, we do. Basically, it's Amazing Humans or, or whatever. Yeah, that is it. And then, um, and, then um, and then she was like, basically, we'd like to do a thing about you. And I said, what's it about, though? And they went, about you. And I went, all right all right why not and then um i said it's not gonna like be for some weird reality tv show or anything is it and she was on there and i said okay okay i'll do it and then and then basically um yeah that was great fun putting that together because then um it was really funny right so she was like oh we've got a we've got to like obviously sort out some events and then i was like putting my hat on and being like no no, no you better leave the organizing to me so that's when i was sort of showing off a bit to them. I was like, look, I can get you press access. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was helping them out with organising it, which was just quite fun. And then, um, yeah, no, they were really nice, actually. Um, it was a, it was a nice, uh, it felt like a genuine project rather than a bit of a, a hype one. Um, yeah. And then that went out, that went out, and then um, what happened was, um, yeah, they were doing some A-B testing because that's what they do. They basically make make a test version of the video, roll it out on Facebook as a dark post, so no, it doesn't go on their profile or whatever, and they just test it against a select small audience, and then they will see which parts work, which percent, and then, then they make another version and whatever. But unfortunately for them, it went viral in that moment. Um, and I said to them, I said, hey, you, this video has been published. And they went, yeah, and I said, you, you said it was going out tomorrow. And then they were like, oh, yeah, that is true. And I went, you've got a problem. And they were like, what? And I said, it's going viral right now. And then they were like, oh. And I said, yeah, you're going to lose all that traction. And then um, they, they sort of panicked a bit. And then they ended up just go releasing the version they had there and then. Um, and from I think that was the moment, really, when... Um, it was getting more attention with the bigger sides of that industry, of the music industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this the point I wanted to come back to? to get interested. Uh, with the DJ thing, um, that was a bit of a 
uh, that came much later when I was doing my DJ dancing videos. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the first ever one, um, I think I did a few with a, with a few people, and then the first major one was with was with Seth Troxer at Arrow, um, and basically. I was just dancing at the front and it was him, him and Jamie Jones gone really early. Um, so there wasn't a massive crowd at the time because it was still filling up. And I think they just had a, a really big lineup. So they just had to put big people on at the start. So yeah. that's what they did. Um, and then I was dancing there. Seth and I smiled over and gave me a wave and I was like, cool. We've, uh, we've made eye contact. <laughs> so, um, Love at first sight. <laughs> It's what? Love at first sight. Well, <laughs> yeah, not that extreme. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, I was like, I'm going to ask him if he would do a dancing video um, afterwards. So I went back to go see Zoe, who was the, um, she did all the, she did all the social media for all, the, all that stuff because it was done by RWE. And I went back to Zoe and I went, Zoe, can I get, um, a pass, please, because I want to go and ask Seth this after he's finished. And she was like, yeah, okay. So she gave me one, and then I waited quite patiently um, for, a, for a long time. And you know what people are like after, after a DJ finish? They're all rushing, rushing to get in and do the selfie thing, and they're talking, and they're talking. One thing one thing I've learned is you don't, don't rush in. You've got to stay back. Wait your turn, because yeah. the, the, the more you don't seem like you're intruding their space, the, the more they're going to like be be cool with you so yeah i just i just waited quite patiently and i said um hey seth could i get a a video of us dancing together because i didn't really know how to ask him um or if we would be into that um and he went yeah okay so um i was like right cool so as we're walking down i was finding someone to like record it on my phone just as we were like getting into position, management come in and they're like, no, 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 no you can't do this. And I went, what? He just said yes. <laughs> and then, and then um, they were like, no, 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 only, only photos, not videos and all this rubbish. But um, no, Steph was like, no, no, it's cool, it's cool, we're going to do it. And then that was that was um, uh, the first big DJ dancing video I did. And then um, once I did that one with Seth, it caught a bit of an interest um, within the rest of that uh, community of people. So, yeah, I just did it from there, really. Um, yeah. One by one. Yeah. Um, There's yeah. just a point that I, I wanted to come back to, which I really like, is the fact that um, with the initial approach from Britain's Got Talent, the fact that you retain that integrity and you knew yourself that because you put so much hard work into your own following, you didn't want to lose a suit. You didn't want to gain a superficial following to then lose the real following that you'd gained early on. And I think that's that's so intelligent and it's really wise words for anyone in the industry as well as yourself. That yeah, to do with any business, you know, try and keep your clients happy rather than trying to get so many new ones. You can use that same methodology for everything. Yeah, I think as well. You probably felt far happier in yourself because you were still maintaining that connection with the oh, people. Yeah, I control, yeah. Exactly. I didn't, want to get, I didn't want to get pushed 
pushed into a situation where I was no longer in control of it and some contract I signed said that I no longer own this thing and whatever and I was yeah. then signed some deal to the devil or whatever. No, I mean, I wanted it to be nice and um, nice and controllable and, and also, you know, it, it was a very much weekend thing because yeah. I was working Monday to Friday anyway, so I didn't want it to go too, too fast too soon. No, that, that, that's really good, mate, and I've, I've got a lot of respect for you doing that. And I, I also like the point you, you made around BBC Three and um, how that was a, a genuine project. And um, I hope you don't mind me asking without being intrusive, but when you say a genuine project, did you ever feel like in some cases with the Aspergers that people would sometimes approach you for the wrong reasons? I mean, I've always been a friend with you because I don't look at... You mean as in, like, you know, say, oh, um, because of your condition, then they'll try and capitalise on that for for their own gain? I don't know if they did it because of my condition, man. No, no, that's that's what I'm saying is their project was genuine, but I was interested oh, with yeah, what... Yeah. Well, obviously, obviously, there's always going to be people, there's always going to be people in businesses who want to do certain things uh, to make a game. They wouldn't do it if they're not making a game. Yeah. Uh, whether it fits with you is another question. So I, I'm not I'm not going to say that they're bad, but for wanting to do their own thing and wanting to take it in their direction. But I, I but this is where you know like you talk to each other about it and you say yeah well, it doesn't really work for me like that yeah no and then, and then if they if they don't want to change and do it your way or meet in the middle then you just don't do it but like i i, I wouldn't say that they're it, I, I wouldn't say they're approaching me for the wrong reasons they're approaching me for the reasons that work for them Whether yeah for me is another story yeah, yeah, no, of course, and that, that's what I'm saying. It was a genuine project, so it benefited both parties, and they were approaching yeah. to to I show. What I meant by genuine was that um, it didn't feel like that they were trying to take advantage of it and yeah and and move it in a direction that was unfit and yeah and try and just try basically try and just make a show of it. And 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 lose the authenticity of it and everything. Yeah. That's what I mean by genuine. Is they they weren't trying. They weren't doing anything that was gonna negatively bring it down. Yeah. And and, and make it too like commercial and and mainstream too quickly. Yeah. No, that that that's fair. But I I also wanted uh, like I say without um you know being intrusive or anything because like I've like I said from day one when I met you. I just see you as a as a human being because uh, that's how you should see people. You know, yeah, you should. Well, ex- exactly, exactly. But um, you you know how some people are in certain industries. They will sometimes have um an agenda. But yeah, no, it's it, it's like you say. It's bang on that they approached you for the right reasons, and it was a genuine project. So that it was good for you, and it was good for them as well. Yeah. yeah. So the next point I wanted to discuss was some of the special friendships that have developed during your time um, spent as Bradley Gone Raven. I know you've already mentioned Seth, who I know you're still close with now. I know you don't get to see him as much because obviously COVID and he's always traveling here, there and everywhere as well. Um, how Did that relationship and you know friendship that blossomed with Seth, was that from that Elro gig? I think that's when we first sort of met each other and first spoke to each other. We didn't really speak extensively then, so we, we didn't really 
you, we didn't really create a friendship from that. It just it just enabled us to talk again later at another time, and 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 at the time we just pretty much whenever we were at the same event and happened to be near each other, and uh, yeah, we we talked, and I think I think it was a it was a very natural uh, <clears throat> friendship that came about, um, which is what I liked about it, and it didn't feel like. Oh, you, you, to speak to me, you have to go through my manager, or to speak to me about that, you have to go through this person. It was, it was very much, if we're in the same place, we'd have, we'd have a cool conversation. And um, the, the second time um, that we were together, which was in Liverpool, Liverpool? Yeah, it was. And um, where, where Circus is, you know Circus in Liverpool? It's there. Yeah. Anyway, um, we, we were both in the same hotel because we were both booked by the promoter that um, so he was obviously booked for DJing and I was booked for dancing um, yeah and and um, yeah well we, we went back and had dinner together and that was quite nice and then yeah it's a really genuine friendship and what I liked most about it what I liked most about that there was one key moment which was really nice because um, because a lot of the time um, I think it a lot of the time in, in the music industry it's seems like the smaller person messages the bigger person, not the bigger person messaging the smaller person, yeah. the bigger, smaller, in terms of popularity. Yeah. It, 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 it seems that's the protocol in a lot of, in a lot of places, uh, which is why I was always the one messaging other people. Uh, anyway, um, when I had broken my collarbone, I was in Miami, Steph actually texted me to ask, ask how it was, and, you know, just, just that single thing was like, yeah. oh, cool, that's really nice. Yeah, it, it's very it's very thoughtful, and like you said, you can tell it's a genuine friendship when someone makes the effort to reach out to you, even though he's in, in terms of status and in in his career, obviously, yeah, he's there. Uh, but you know, it's it's good that you two didn't see it like that. It's you know, we're both part of the same industry. It's not I'm there and you're there. It's a genuine friendship, and that's what it should um should be about. I think, I think, yeah, yeah. No, that's really nice, man. I know you still speak to him now, don't you, quite a bit? Uh, yeah, every now and again. I was texting him on New Year's, uh, seeing what he's up to. Yeah. He seems to be doing fine. Yeah, and I know there was a few other friendships as well. I think I you introduced me to uh, Zoe, who uh, I think it was at Tobacco Dock, wasn't it? Um, who? Zoe Lee. Who, Zoe? Yeah. Yeah, she's my best friend. Yeah, she she's a really nice lady as well. Um, how how did that uh, relationship come about and the friendship that developed there? Oh well, she was the social media manager for LWE at the time when I was going to all the LWE events in London, and then um, yeah, she, I would always go to the info point to like give my bag to them and whatever, and and yeah, I just chatted shit basically to the to the start, so. <laughs> <laughs> so she would go on my insights and then tell me what to do basically. But yeah. yeah. Um, 
No, she's a really nice person. I've, uh, yeah, we we had a, we had a, we had a, a long a long friendship. We still do. Um, but yeah. No. Yeah. I think I did uh, connect with her on LinkedIn and I only met her the once when you introduced me, but she seemed like a really nice lady and also very successful and very hardworking with the position she was at. She'd done really, really well. Oh, yeah, she's she's absolute genius with social media. Like, yeah. And it's all over. I think she's, she just started her own business yeah, as well. mostly social media. Is she, uh, yeah, she's, she's been for a few different uh, social media jobs. And I think she's now she's now starting her own thing. Yeah, so it's, like a, it's like her own company, which she's going to do freelance stuff under. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it will be a success anyway. And um, what other um, kind of main? I know there's probably too many to mention. What other kind of main friendships and, re- and relationships have continued and, and and carried on even after you've left the music industry? Well, I don't know really. Um... I, I do I do message people on WhatsApp. Yeah. A lot of the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. It's a difficult so one, isn't it? There's there's so many from different parts of the industry. It is it is hard to yeah, keep track no, of them I, all. I do I do generally message people still. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to like think of names all the time. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So. I completely respect the fact that in in the end you felt personally that, that your time as Bradley Gunraver had kind of run, run its course and um like you were saying earlier on about retaining your integrity with the following and not um rushing too soon you also felt with with Bradley Gunraver that maybe you'd done as much as you could at that point in time um so you, you know you you went on to do your own thing with with the sailing um if you don't mind me asking, what what were the were the main reasons? Did you kind of feel that in the end the attention was becoming too much, or you just felt like you'd achieved as much as you could with Bradley Gunraver? Uh, well, I already I already had um, I I already had some core values which I wanted to stick to with it from day one of starting it. I thought it's never going to become this, it's never going to become that, and it's never going to be about that. And what happened basically it was. Uh, it's never going to become about the money for a start because the whole thing was that I had my career. So yeah. I had the career to make money so that this didn't need to do that. And um, and I didn't want it to, you know, become all about just social media and stagedness. And, and I didn't want it to be staged and all this stuff. And I wanted it to be nice and, and just free, you know? Yeah. Basically. Um, now, when it got, you know, really, really, really sort of popular, um, late 2018, um, yeah, I just ended up getting into a few, what you call them, business relationships. Yeah. Um, that just felt a bit too, you know, they were going in a, a very commercial direction. Mm-hmm. Um, um I didn't feel like I felt I felt also that I was being put into very staged conditions that just didn't feel real and and that and those those in itself then affected how my mind was working in a normal rave environment and so when I I started to get I started to get really stressed out of it like basically 
um, I'd get really stressed out about getting the perfect one minute video. Mm. Um, that had you know everything correct and whatever, and it just felt like I knew it myself. Like I was staging it, right? And yeah. I thought, no, this is not. This is not. This is not true. And um, I don't. I don't want to be pushing out stuff that wasn't genuinely reflecting the situation. And yeah. Um, you know, I, I I'd get really stressed out about getting a video because of all this stuff going on and and um, making sure it was right. And then I'd put a caption on social media like, oh yeah, look at this really nice event like having the best time ever but really I knew I didn't have a good time and so it was it was mixed messaging and um and yeah I thought no I can't I can't continue this uh, I, I thought it was one of the reasons why people follow me because they, they think I'm honest and everything which I am and so I decided to um yeah take stop things at the time um which I didn't really know how to um because it felt like a big thing yeah. So, well, it was to be fair. So I've got I, so much respect. I contacted one of my best friends, um, who sort of helped. He actually did manage it for a while, but um, he, he, he um, we put together a plan of, of ending it basically, which went over a course of six months, and um, basically it was it was toning it down. It was toning it down, and then. Um, because I also have business relationships going on, uh, they probably wouldn't appreciate it if you just pull the plug overnight and then not know what's going on. So, yeah. uh, so I carefully undid things basically, uh, just by you know, bringing relationships, the professional ones, to to an end, uh, and then eventually, um, yeah, announcing it on social media. But um, yeah, it was probably one of the hardest things to ever do. Um, but I feel like since then, it's been nearly two years now. Don't count one of the years because that was 2020. It doesn't count. <laughs> so I take one year off. Okay, so so basically, it's been a year plus 2020. Um, and and over that time, uh, well, I've really um obviously not been dancing. I've I've gone to a few festivals in between and danced around a bit, but. It's not been as heavy and it's not been all over social media all the time. So I've been able to um, chill out a bit, do other things, focus on my programming a lot, um, and just just get myself into um, into a good state yeah. mentally and back. back and um, yeah, I, I think I am now. I have been for a while, but um, yeah. No, that, that that's really nice, mate. And um, you know that. The fact that you knew from day one that you wanted to do it for the right reasons and you didn't want to sell yourself out, whether it's commercially or financially, and you knew in yourself that it probably was going too far and you weren't able to enjoy it as much, you know, with especially the world of social media now. You said, you know, when you were at events, you felt like everything had to be perfect and then you end up spending more time focusing on the video and the caption than you would have previously been, you know, dancing and not even having to, to worry about that stuff. So now, you know, I've, I've got, I've got a lot of respect for you there, mate. And I remember when you, when you messaged me, I mean, I was surprised, but I suppose, you know, I, you know, I don't live next door to you. I don't live in the same town as you. I don't know what goes on in your head, but, um, the fact that, you know, you spoke to the right people and you toned it down gradually, um, and you didn't burn any bridges. Now that's, uh, it's really nice, mate, that 
you know, you, you enjoyed it, but then you thought, you know what, now is time. I, I always leave things with keeping every relationship nice and as it was, because you don't want to burn bridges. Very wise well, words, mate. I do that in every single one of my uh, professional jobs as well. I always, I always keep every employer, I keep, I keep the gates open, <laughs> so I can always jump back in, but um, yeah. No, it, it's solid advice, mate. And, and, it's just not, not, not a professional thing. I guess it was, but uh, in, in some sort of other weird way. Yeah, definitely. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who were intrigued considering the amount of raves you went to, not just in the UK, but around the world as well. Um, it's no doubt very difficult to pick a top three considering the journey that you went on. So in no particular order, or if you do have an order, then by all means elaborate. What are your favourite top five Bradley Gunn? rave memories what memories yeah not not events just single memories we can, we can go memories or events and put the two together whatever suits you we'll right, do a mixture of both yeah um mm, mm, interesting quite a hard one um my favorite my favorite sort of um events i really 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 liked cafe future in italy I loved it. It's because of, you know, because of all the scenery. Uh, it was really nice. It was like being in a cool location, dancing around. Um, yeah, I like I like that. Um, I think that when I did the dancing stuff with Seth Troxler, that was also a great one. We did that in a number of places. We also did it in Vietnam at seven in the morning. <laughs> Beach. Um, yeah, that was a, that was also another great memory. Um, another good one. Um, Obviously, doing that dancing video with Carl Cox as well was another huge memory for me. That was at Ultra in Miami. Yeah. Um, you know, I, re- I really liked it there, actually. My, Miami was good fun. Um, hmm. There's lots, of, there's lots of good ones. I think if I'm going to try and stay a bit local, um, there, was, there was a good... I know that I know there was a really... I think Chapter in Birmingham opened me up a bit as well because yeah because raving in Birmingham is not like raving anywhere else in the UK like every, everywhere's got its own specialities basically everywhere's got its own character um, and, and yeah I really I really love um, I did actually like Chapter and um, Rainbow Venues quite a lot so that's why I was always there you, I was always up there every few weeks or something <laughs> um, you, um, you were probably there more than me mate Underneath 
the train station tunnel. Yeah, I think I think those two are a combination because technically they're the same event, just in a different place. But yeah, those 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 would be my favourite. I think. Yeah, sounds good, mate. I, I suppose it's a, it's a difficult list to to choose from, and I, I always loved. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I always loved as well when you said you were at an episode in, in Vietnam and you, you'd say, oh, yeah, I've, um, I've just been for food with Seth or Pan Pot and, uh, you know, yeah, just... Yeah, you know, yeah, everyone else got food poisoning and I didn't. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Did you just have something different to eat? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I ate everything that I ate. I ate. Yeah. No, that was really good. That was really good. We went on a little um, food tour and around the the, um, the the night market or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was some quite funny random situations you you got into as well with some of the the bigger artists. What was the one with um, Yoris Vaughan where you ended up um, staying with her? Around his house. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that was. Um, that was basically Awakenings, I think, I can't remember what day that was, but I was at Awakenings and basically um, they do their day, that basically what they usually do over, over like a few, three or four or five days is they, they put on a load of Awakenings events, all at the gas holder, and then what they also do is they do a day one as well, and I love the day ones, I love day pies, love day events, even though it's pitch black in there, but um it, they do a day one and they also do a night one straight after and then because uh well because i i had special access i could not ever leave i could basically as they do the change over you basically hide and then um wait <laughs> to get your new bands and everything so essentially i was there all day uh raving all day um from like 12 till 10 and then you sit out for like half an hour and in that half an hour everyone chills out and talks to each other and then, and then Shanti, which is Joris's wife she was like Bradley you look really 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 tired and I was I was absolutely like exhausted at the time yeah uh, and I said yeah yeah I know uh, and she was like um, do you want to like go back to your hotel or something I, I don't have one she was like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, I, um, my flight is in the morning and basically the plan was I was just going to rave here all night and then and afterwards just go and go home. And then, because um, I don't mind the price of hotels sometimes. Um, so I just, yeah, price of sleep. I just didn't know it was so expensive to sleep. <laughs> so, like, I'd rather not pay it. So basically... Uh, I just yeah wanted to make, but that day I was really exhausted. And she, and she was like, well, "Let me ask Joyce if you can stay around." And I was like, "Okay." And then she went and asked, and they were like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and, um, and then uh, she went, "Well, you can come around to ours if you want." Um, I was like, "Okay, cool." I said, "Well, I'll probably wait there for a bit longer, and then and then come around." <laughs> so they they basically told me where their address was and whatever, and just twenty minute walk. So yeah, Google Map it. Quite simple, <laughs> but yeah, they they went home and then. And I continued to rave there, and um, and it got to about four in the morning, maybe a bit later, and I was like, I can't continue. And I just left, and then very, very tiredly walked back, and then I knocked on their door, 
and then they were like, we thought you were going to be back earlier than this, I went, mm. and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked in and I just went to sleep and then woke up about 10, 10-ish, yeah, woke up about 10, 11, uh, because my flight wasn't until the afternoon actually, which I said the morning earlier, but that was wrong, it's actually the afternoon, um, and I woke up about 10, 11, because I didn't really want to intrude even, so I was like, better not sleep too long, so I can not invade their home or whatever, and then, um, and then they were like getting ready to go out and stuff, and I was like, what's going on? So oh, we're going for lunch, do you want to come? And I was all right. So uh, we went down to this restaurant and then Kolsch turns up because he's going for lunch with Joris. And then, um, and then yeah, and then, and then I'm having lunch with Joris and Kolsch in, in this Chinese restaurant with all their family and everything. Um, it's quite, quite nice, quite fun actually. And then, and then I think Kolsch was telling us a story about how he had to drive his car like through multiple countries and it broke down or something. But anyway, yeah, and then, um, yeah, it was it was good fun. It was good fun, and then and then yeah, then I went home. <laughs> I, I I love that just these random situations that you get yourself into. But that but the way that I look at it, that's what life's all about. When you're older, you want to be able to look back and say, oh, do you remember that time when I went? And well, you can't plan that shit. And also, if you, if you did plan, all you're doing is just setting yourself up for disappointment because it didn't go to plan. Yeah. And, and so stuff like that has just got to happen magically. Yeah. All I can imagine, even though obviously it didn't play out like that, you know, when you were speaking to his wife and uh, she said, I'll ask Yoris if you can stay. All I can imagine is him DJing. Obviously, it probably didn't play out like that. Just this is how I'm thinking at the time. No, this is how I'm imagining it in my head, though. This is me overplaying a scenario (laughs) is him DJing and her interrupting and saying, oh, Yoris, by the way, can Bradley stay tonight? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. The thing with Yoris, actually, um... I got him to put the goggles on and dance and dance on stage at Awakening. That's a bucket list moment. That was good fun. That's yeah, definitely that a bucket list moment. Um, talking of Gashowder, would you say, in terms of venues that you've been to around the world, with their production, would you say that's in the top five? Um, well, what my view on it is that it's great the first time you go. And okay. It's really good. Um, I feel that I probably went too many times. Okay. Um, I would say it's. I would say it's definitely a top one. Um, but yeah, I, I think I. It's one of those things. Like it's just like motion in Bristol. I just went absolutely too many times. Um, so I think I think my favourite memories and events, which we've already talked about, mm. came from sort of one-off things that I used to go to. I know that I went to Birmingham a lot of the time, but yeah, I think Awakenings. It's great. I think I preferred their festivals, Gas Howler, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gas Howler is uh, quite an intimate one. Um, you got to be in it all night, which is why I was so tired. Yeah, they managed to tire me out. <laughs> no, which happened more and more towards the end, actually. Um, yeah. I think I think you I think you did yourself proud, mate. What what was the longest stint you ever did? Because I remember you had was it height in Berlin where you were going from country to country. What was the most amount of raves you did within okay, a couple of days? That one, although it was country to country to country, that one I've learned from previous mistakes not to go back to back. So that one had sleep in between. Um, the 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 longest one and it was not fun at any stage it was at the start this was pure 
you know, Bear Grylls style rave. <laughs> um, basically, I said, I was like, what is the longest time that I can rave for? That was it. It wasn't about going for the craziest night out. It was just the, the goal was length, length of time, right? And then I worked out that London was probably the best place to do it because they've got parties on at every hour of the day and you can you can map them out so that they all overlap each other and whatever. And I put four together, uh, which was 37 hours. Never done that again. Absolutely never. <laughs> Basically, um, the start, the first, the first 12 hours were great. That's probably the most fun part. Uh, and um, I also logically did it by genre as well, so that you did certain genres which would speed you up, slow you down, speed you up, slow you down. So 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 it mapped it, it, all the genres like um, mapped each other. But yeah, the first twelve hours were the best because that was when I was most awake. Um, then twenty four hours passed, and well, I was still awake, but it was starting to get a little bit tiring at that point. Um, then 30 hours passed, getting really, really tired where you're just walking around, like, not in, not actually, like, in it that much, and you're just staying awake. Yeah. Um, 35 hours in, I actually had a nosebleed because it was just getting too much. My head was gone. Uh, yeah, it was, it was not great. And then, then 30 hours, seven passed, and I was like, I'm going home. <laughs> basically that really messed up the next week I remember I was then late for work two days later like by a, a huge amount of hours <laughs> I came in like lunchtime uh, and um, I remember my manager was like what, what, why have you just arrived now and I went I'm sorry I don't have an excuse and he went what what do you mean you don't have an excuse I don't have <laughs> I said basically uh, the excuse I'm going to give is not excusable fair play to you at least you were honest at least you didn't you know basically I said it's because I went out 37 hours on New Year's Eve and he was like oh that's fine then he, he was like as, that's fine as long as as long as like you've learned now not to ever do 37 hours of raving again and I went alright cool I went and then <laughs> that was that <laughs> That is amazing. I was also in my very early days of uh, my career as well. So yeah, when I was an apprentice, so could probably let me off a bit then. Yeah, definitely. It's all about learning curves, mate. And like you say, it was it was the early days. So I'm sure you've uh, you've learned since then with the sleep in between. I've I've done 37 hours. Whether I do it again, it's fucked. But um, yeah. Yeah. Just just for come on to the, the final couple of questions. Um I mentioned just before I brought you on about the keynote interview that you did um in Ibiza for International Music Summit. Um how did that come about and was that would you say the biggest achievement from your career or one of like doing that? Oh no, I think I think it was um I think that was the biggest thing actually. Mm. Um basically how it came about um i was actually raving at the time it at, at an event in bristol with um political band jackson and um it was a little charity event we're doing uh, and i was a guy messaged me on instagram called ben turner and um he happens to be the business partner of pete Torren together they do this event but he he messaged me saying hi um which 
uh, would you be up for doing a keynote interview at IMS? And I didn't know what it was, so I just Googled it. Um, and I was like, wow, it's the International Music Summit. So I, I just got really excited really quickly. So I just said yes, uh, without realising I could do it or not. I just said yes. And then um, and it all just went from there. And then it was like, how, how are you um, messing me right now when you're meant to be raving? And I went, oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I just took my phone out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then, um, and then I booked the holiday off work and everything. Thing and, it, and it all and it all was in the pipeline. But one of the main reasons I wanted to do it was because I wasn't very comfortable uh, with talking in front of people. Mm. And the, the the way I should get over that fear was that if um, basically if I throw myself in the deep end, which was doing an interview in front of three hundred people. In a very professional context. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought if, if I'm going to go over that fear, then it's going to be that. So um, yeah, I, I I I committed myself to it, and, and the example is why I need to get over that fear is because when I was at a previous job, we had a new manager come in, and he was oh everyone stay in the room and introduce yourselves, and um, went person by person by person. It was basically say your name, what you do, and it will think about yourself really quite simple task right but when it got to me uh i sort of like yeah mentally blew up mm. because i wasn't comfortable in that situation and um my vision was going all blurry and my heart was racing or whatever and then i was trying to basically shout out these words because i didn't know how else to do it and try and force them out but yeah i got them out it was very uncomfortable so i thought now this thing will be like the thing which makes everything else easy so um yeah i went i, I did it and then um she flew out there um met lots of people and then and then the speech came um and i think i hung around in the office with all the staff there because they're really nice i think i hung around there for like five hours like my interview wasn't until like 1 p.m. I oh, know 11, 11. I can't remember what time it was. But anyway, I was I was in that staff room about five hours before. Um, like too excited. I was like, yeah, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. I was like absolutely buzzing. And then um, it got to time, and and it was me and Nick, uh, and Nick's the um, global um, global director of mixed mail. Direct of editorial stuff or whatever um he's that guy and he was the guy interviewing me and he was he was also like me he was like energetic he was like yeah let's do it let's do it and then basically we, we were really pumped and everything and then and then we went up onto the stage as i walked up onto that stage it like it was like you know that um sound in a similar they do where they just mute everything it goes Vroom. it was like that but like this massive feeling from already went and basically it was always excitement and everything just immediately went and it was like the worst feeling ever like yeah and so um i sat down in this chair i was all tightened up and everything and nick was like because they pete pete tong does this recorded intro or something where he does it for everyone and 
basically says a thing about them and whatever. So so I had that come on. He was like, all this big hype. It's like, yeah, we got Brennan Kamuva here and whatever. And then <laughs> after that, like, intro, um, Nick then did his intro and he was like, yeah, we got Mixed Mags Weaver of the Year and everything. It was all, all this big hype. How are you doing, Bradley? And I went, hi. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> so all nerves, like, yeah. at, like I didn't have before. Um, and we, we talked a bit, but I was very nervous and everything. And, you know, I was at that point mentally where I was getting over that barrier. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I stayed on that stage at the time was because I was mentally committed to getting over this fear. Yeah. Um, and I just, and what I found was I, I need to stand up to feel loose and whatever. So I just stood up and then Nick stood up as well. And, and from that point, I got really into it. Uh, and, and the rest of the rest of that interview went really, really well. Um, and I was really into it. It was all exciting, and the room was filling up and everything. And it was great, and um, got lots of encouragement and everything. Um, yeah, I think that was like life changing moment. And also, I then got an email from the marketing um, person who looks after that event. Um, to say that was the most full we've ever had the the summit room before, and I went, oh wow, and then like, yeah, mental basically, yeah. crazy, and and but that one thing just kicked off a lot of other stuff, which is good. Yeah, um, yeah. Now that that's amazing, man, and you should be really proud of yourself, especially like you say from that previous situation um, at work and the fact that you overcome. Uh, overcame that that previous um, blip. And I use it in my interviews for like normal jobs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I use it. I, I, I say it, like, yeah, I did that to overcome this thing. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And then, yeah. It's a pretty good example, mate. It's uh, it's, it's a good. No, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I am, I am proud of it. Yeah, no, you should be, mate. Absolutely. So. In a post-COVID-19 world, if you were told by a promoter that they would fly you to any rave that you've already been to, which one would you go to first? Oh, I really want to go to episode again in Vietnam. <laughs> I, I want to go there. Um, just because I really want to go there. Um, again, and also I'd go to Capra again in Italy. I really, I really wanted to do that. I was actually, I was going to do that Last year, <laughs> I actually had it all sorted, but um, no, because uh, yeah, we had COVID. Yeah. What What was it about episode? Was the fact that it was right on the beach and you just had this amazing view right oh, there? You got to be there. You got to be there. Basically, it's everything about it. It's great. It's this twenty four seven event, right? which just rolls on 24-7. You can go in and go out as you please. There's no there's no time. Um, and I think they do that to suit everyone's timetable. Um, what I did, what I, what I ended up doing, because I love sun, sunrise stuff, I love the sunrise, uh, raving at sunrise. It's just a beautiful thing because you get all the, the sun coming up and, and it's nice and it's not too hot as well because it's great and, and everyone's in a great mood. So what I would do is I would, go to sleep at 10 p.m. I would wake up at 5 a.m., go to the rave at 5, just before the sun comes up, and rave there till like 10, 11, then go for breakfast, 
and then I'd meet up with people and go on a, like adventure around the island and like go go into like jungles and stuff and go on an adventure. It was great. And then and in the evening like go out into the market and eat food. Like it was just an overall like bang bang thing. It was insane it loved it loved every moment yeah i've never been to vietnam but uh two of my friends were there it would have been it's in january isn't it which takes place you what it's in january isn't it yes it's in january yeah i think they went 2019 and they said yeah it was an amazing lineup and like you say it's all the the other different things you can do whilst you're there as well it's pretty much like a holiday within a festival I, I was asleep at five in the morning, right? And uh, I got and Seth was texting me because he lived in the he was in the hotel next to me. And he was like, um, "Are you up? Let's go raving." And I went, "Oh, okay. Give me fifteen minutes, and I'll be outside yours." And sort of rushed to get dressed and whatever, and then and then walked over to his, and then he had already gone. <laughs> so I was like, oh, right, I thought you were going to wait. I was on time. I was definitely on time. I had kept within my 15-minute window. But um, I was like, oh, okay. Then. And then he was like, no, I'm too excited, basically. <laughs> so I told my text guy to go and look for you on the park. And I was like, and then, anyway, he came back and picked me up, and then we went down. That's when we did that morning um, rave thing on the beach, actually. Yeah. It was then. But, yeah, no, it was, it was probably my favourite, long-time favourite thing I definitely want to go back to yeah hopefully i can i can join you next year mate in uh in vietnam when we're back to normal yeah. hopefully <laughs> yeah i mean i was lucky enough to be booked to go out there so i did have the flights paid for i don't know if they're gonna do that again <laughs> uh, and i don't and i don't think flights the prices of those flights are quite uh yeah, they're not. They're not like getting a flight to Spain. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. So I don't know if uh, if I have the budget uh, for that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to see. I think tickets included as well. Yeah. So. What's one rave that you've got your sights set on that you haven't been to that you really want to go to post COVID? Movement in Detroit. Yeah, I have. I have seen that. Yeah. I really, really want. I really, really want to get. I really do. And I've seen videos of that event, and it's, it looks like that's. I've had I've had that on my mind for years. Just never never made it. Yeah, it does. It does look good. The lineup. It's it's it's, it's in a city as well, isn't it? Because we were gonna like go there. Because we were talking about it when we were in New York. Because when I was in New York doing the. Oh yeah, that was another great memory. That's also come back. Sorry, I have too many. But that when I was doing the stuff in New York, Nick's house. But when we were there, we were sat at Nick's house, and then um, we we're talking about things we want to do and everything. We have we have um, movement as an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that's one I want to do. No, that, that's amazing. Um, and just for my final question, I wanted to say personally, um, how nice it's been meeting you in 2015 in the smoking area at Rainbow, and then obviously I was lucky enough to have the opportunity from you to do a bit of editing for the monthly reviews and then all of a sudden you came you came to me and said oh ministry of sound have approached me um if i hired you out of pure talent Callum. haha <laughs> that's very very kind of you brad thank you i appreciate that yeah. no no because you did all your writing didn't you um you did your writing what were you doing that for you were doing it about events were you or yeah just ra- just random events yeah 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 so so i remember looking at everything you were writing um 
and I just saw that it was just really, really, really high quality content that I myself was very reading and I could tell the way you wrote it, it, was, it kept you reading it and it was very engaging. Um, so that is why I approached you to do my editing because I know I'm absolutely shit at writing. <laughs> so, so I was like, I need someone not to completely write it for me because the point was that I, it's my point of view and my story, but I need to have what I wrote uh, engaging and interesting to read, which is why I would write it and then hand it over to you and then you magic it and make it all nice and interesting. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, it wasn't, you were, you were, you were hired out of pure talent, Helen, and I think, I think you, you still have that talent. Thank you, mate. That, that's, that's very kind of you. And like I say, it, it was just nice that it happened naturally. It wasn't me going to you. You know, we met each other in in the rave environment, and it was it was just completely kind of like it was it was humbling, but it was also like just very strange for me because I was writing these reviews, you know, in this small house share in Birmingham, and then you'd send me the stats, and you'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, but when you'd send me the stats, you know, I think, you know, just typing away, you know, till 1am, 2am in, in my bedroom, and then you'd have people from Dubai, Australia, Switzerland reading these reviews, and I was just like, it was, yeah, it was very humbling. We, we, lost, we lost those stats after a while, because Minerva Sound wanted to take it on, didn't they? And then, yeah. and then they decided that they didn't want it on my website, they want it on theirs, so we lost we lost the stats, but, but that was better, I think, it was better on being on their one. Um, Seems a bit more uh, real. Seems a bit more official. Yeah, definitely. But um, just the, the final question, because I wanted to end. I mean, to be honest, pretty much all of it has has been uh, positive, especially with everything going on. But um, a lot of people have always said that you know you were always seen as you know like a beacon of of happiness and positivity in in an industry that probably isn't always positive. Would you say there was a a message you were trying to push, or were you literally just unintentionally going out there doing your thing and then it just naturally happened without you even intending yeah yeah it was just natural like i didn't even like i didn't even realize being so was a thing like basically because i all right so here's why i raved sober to begin with okay and it wasn't to do like being a vegan or whatever with religious reasons or whatever it wasn't to do with any like health or whatever basically before before I did all the sober stuff, obviously I went out with mates and I did drink with them at the time, but I remember we were at one event and it got to like two in the morning, I was just really tired. And it was just, and I knew why it was, because alcohol is depressant, right? So I was like, let's do a science experiment. I went, the next night we all go sober and see if we like it, right? And then the next night we all went out sober and we loved it. So that was it, that was it. Yeah. Um, there wasn't anything like, it, I wasn't doing it because of, you know, anti this, anti that. Like, that's one, another point to say, actually, um, after that. But I wasn't doing it anti this, anti that. It was just because of that. And uh, as, I, as I raved around, people were like, oh, uh, what are you on? What are you on? Um, and I was like, oh, I'm not on anything. And they were like, oh, right. Well, I don't believe you. And I went, okay. Um, I don't really know what to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but I was like, but if you do want to feel what I'm on, have some of my water. 
I don't, I don't think they appreciate that. But, but yeah, uh, like, I didn't really know what to say about it. But I didn't, I didn't want to, like, um, of course I was sort of known as a Sober Raver to begin with, but I think that was from other people's uh, drive of, of that uh, message. I, I didn't want to push um, that thing too far. Yeah. One thing I never did, I never mentioned the word sober in any caption mm. because I didn't want to become annoying. And yeah, you know, and and lots of people have got different things going on in their lives, and sometimes they just don't want things being pumped down their throat all the time. So I just never, never mentioned that that uh, those words really in any caption. Sometimes I'd probably say that yes, I'm sober, and stuff, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't force the soberness down people's throats. Yeah, um, I don't think it was right. Mm. Um, and. And and one thing I did the message I did not want to push at all that this is better than you because you're doing that and also I didn't I didn't want to push uh, that you should be doing this no well, the message I was doing hey this is what I'm doing you can also do this if you want yeah it doesn't require you to be sober but you can if you want to be and it was it was a very open thing that allowed anyone from with anything going on and doing whatever. It was totally up to them, it was very free. Um, mm. I remember once that I got asked to comment on like what I think about people doing drugs and whatever. And I just I refused to like publicly um, put an opinion on that. And the reason why I said I'm not talking about that is because it, I felt like I wasn't really in a position to give advice on that subject. Yeah. Because I haven't really done any of it, and if I if I'm in that position where I haven't really done any of it, it's it's like me giving you advice on what you should be doing when mm-hmm. you know a lot more about it than me. Yeah. And so I thought it was a lot better people who who are in that doing all that talk about it themselves, and, and I'm like you do you do whatever you want to do as long as you're happy. Yeah. Uh, and you're healthy and and yeah. No, that that that's that's really good, mate, and uh, I couldn't agree more because, like you say, I think one of the most important points from that was, you know, everyone's circumstances are different, and and I'm I'm an open book. I, I've struggled uh, in the past with like alcohol and you know even even drugs as well as a coping mechanism when I've had personal problems, and you know everyone's circumstances are different. You know, one person is sober because they want to be and another person might want to be sober but they but they might struggle with becoming sober so um now that's that's amazing so can we ever expect to see a return for the iconic bradley gun raver is the final question of the night can we ever expect expect to see a return for the iconic bradley gun raver which is the final question yeah potentially uh, depending on if we are allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, uh, I do want to. I do want to get back into it a bit. I did, I've really missed it actually. I think lockdown made me really miss it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no, I, I would like to really. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, well, I'm sure that'll be the first place that we reunite as well, mate. We'll be at a rave somewhere, hopefully this year. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that's a good
but yeah, no, I, I think I think um, yeah, I love dancing around. I've been dancing a lot here. Yeah. Um, yeah, at home and wherever. No, that, that's that's good, mate. So yeah, I just wanted to say, really appreciate you taking the time. So I know we have discussed doing this before. It's been uh, long overdue, but this was definitely probably the right time to do it. So hopefully, it's a great time to come back. It fits in with the like. It fits in like it's it's it's, it's all like I know that we've got COVID and everything, but when it ends and everything comes back, guess what? The music industry come back, and so does Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go, and on that bombshell, that is all for this evening, folks. <laughs> oh, is that it? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Been about an hour and a half, have we? Yeah, we've we've done very well, mate. Done very well. Well, well uh, yeah. Keep up the good work, Callum. Cheers, man. I hope to see you soon. Take care of yourself. Doing your stuff. Um, yeah. And also, um, yeah, thanks for everyone who's put nice comments as well. Yeah, it's been nice, mate. Take care of yourself. I'll see you soon, Brad. Yeah, yeah, you too. Bye. See you, mate.